0: Hello, hello. Hello again. I'm Ryan.
1: And I'm Kelsey. (laughs) Did you forget your name?
0: No, I'm just looking at you. I'm Kelsey.
1: I'm Ryan. (laughs)
0: this is the Bible and podcast.
1: And today... Tell
0: everybody what we're talking about today.
1: We're keeping that It's very
0: late, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So today we're going to talk about the Bible and... The sovereignty of God defined. Um, This is really, really a cool topic. This is probably one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to Scripture. Um, Well, Just because, you know, we we started the first podcast with the Bible and the inerrancy of Scripture. Because as Christians, like, this is the foundation of what we believe. We believe that every word of the God—every word of the God— Every word of the Bible is true. It's God's Word. He
0: is the God. He you is, are correct.
1: He is the God. Is the God. <laughs> and um, so we believe that every word of the Bible is true, and we believe that the, the Bible is is inerrant, without error. Yes. Um, and, and we can talk about that all day long, but that's what we believe. Uh, we believe the Word of God is self-sufficient, but we also believe And so many things uh, about God and his attributes. We believe that God is loving and God is just. But God is also, uh, he's merciful, he's graceful, but he also, you know, is wrathful towards sin, you know, and and has judgment uh, for evil. Which is a topic, you know, a lot of
0: people don't like to talk about. Yeah, exactly. It's important to talk about.
1: But one of the coolest things that I love about God is the fact that he is sovereign. He is Mm. in Control. Yes. Um, you know, he is God Almighty. He is Almighty because he has all the might, all the powerful, uh, all the power. He's, you know, God all powerful, um, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, you know, all of these big fancy words that we could describe God. Uh, but the, with, like I was saying before, for the inerrancy of Scripture, it's one of the foundations of our faith, the fact that we believe that the Bible is god's word without mm-hmm. error we also believe as a foundation in the sovereignty of god the fact that he's in control the fact that we can live in 2020 in the year of coronavirus mm-hmm. and our nation going crazy you know over yeah uh you know racism and over all these
0: sinful horrible desires, things that yeah. are
1: happening but believe believing that these things are not without purpose that god uh, you know, as it says in the book of Genesis, in the story of Joseph, that what men mean for evil, God Not means for, for good. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that there is nothing that is outside of the power of God. And, and that way we can look at the things that happen in our life and look at them with hope, mm-hmm. knowing that God is in control. Yeah. Knowing that nothing uh, like that Romans 8 said for those who love God, uh, all things work for good. For those who love God and are called, Together for his purpose, right. So, without any further ado, uh, you do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna get right into it. Um, so, a lot of the note, oh, man. There's so many notes. We went. We practiced this one time, and it took a long time for us to get through. So, we're just gonna go ahead and say right up front. We're probably gonna split this into a part one and a part two. Yes. And we could probably go all the way up to a part. Fifty, if we really wanted to, but I think we're going to narrow it down just to part one and part we'll two. We'll be kind, <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: we'll
1: narrow because um, the Bible's a big book. It is, <laughs> and we're not going to fully exhaust everything, uh, but we're going to talk about a lot. And so, a lot of the notes that I have, um, I have from two main sources. One uh, is from uh, Apologia, not Apologia, but Apologia. Oh, right. Yeah, um, they actually did a study How do you a while know back this? because I heard because James Doctor James White says oh. so.
0: Okay, yeah. I believe it. Then. And
1: so, uh, yes, Dr. James White is um, an awesome, awesome pastor theologian. Uh, and his daughter actually has a really cool podcast called Sheologians. I really enjoy listening to yeah. it a lot. And it's so cool. So maybe, you know, one day we can all do something together. That would be amazing. Um, oh, but so, yeah, because they're
0: listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> you never know. Um, hey, you know, we're we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's like, you know, we're Amen all to called together. Amen you know, to that. So, so maybe, who knows? We'll see. I mean we know Scott Horde, and they know him, so
0: That's true. You
1: know? Anyway. Hey, nothing is impossible with God. You know? Luke. Yeah. Luke one? Yeah.
0: I found that name that you dropped there.
1: <laughs> so yes, uh so a lot of the notes that I have are from um Luke Pearson, uh Polygia Radio. Um they did a really cool study on this a while back, and it was and that was based off of A. W. Pink's book entitled None other than the sovereignty of God. <laughs> so pretty self-explanatory. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Uh, so there's a lot of quotes from Pink, a lot of quotes from Charles Spurgeon, uh, dubbed the Prince of Preachers. And then, of course,
0: uh, a lot of scripture.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because
0: this is the Bible and.
1: Yes, and so we want to talk about what the Bible says and the topic at hand, not necessarily our opinion. So, Correct. Uh, so yeah. So let's.
0: why don't we start with... Um, What is the definition of the word sovereignty? Because a lot of people don't really know. Um, So Webster defines uh, the word sovereignty as supreme power, freedom from external control, autonomy or self-law, and controlling influence. Um, So that's what Webster's dictionary defines it as. The Bible's definition of God's sovereignty is his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure, um, which you can find in Psalm
1: 115.3. Which states, um, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Yes. Um, The modern day's church definition of God's sovereignty, however, uh, goes a little bit something like this. God is in control of all things except us human beings. Oh, yeah. We do as we please, and he would never violate our free will. Mm. Um, There's like that saying, I can't remember who said, I think I may have heard like Joel Olstein or somebody say it before, but like there's a lot of people who say, God is a perfect gentleman. He Mm. would never, he would never, you know, make you do something that you didn't want to do or something like that. Mm. And I'm like, that is nowhere in scripture. So let's just briefly talk about the concept of, of free will for a second. Yes, let um, There's a lot of directions I could go with this, but I think for the sake of time, I probably just need to take the shortest road from A to B. Um,
0: that would be wise. Yeah.
1: F- free will <laughs> is not mentioned in the Bible. Um, it, it's not a biblical concept. That's that's a worldly philosophy that a lot of people think is true, but the Bible doesn't talk about that.
0: Not us having free will, I think the only time it mentions free will is when they're talking about free will offerings. Well, yeah. And, and, and and in the Old right? Testament,
1: yeah, they, they, you know, after they had, had given what was required of them to give, like with their burnt offerings and things like that, you know, out of the abundance of their heart, if they wanted to give, you know, like a free will offering, they could mm-hmm. they could do something like that. Um, but yeah. But
0: meaning those words?
1: But yeah, as far as like the, the idea, correct. because the Bible always gives the concept that man has a will, but that will... Is mm-hmm. in bondage and in slavery to sin, and is contrary to the will of God. Right. So you've, you, man, has a will, yes, but that will is not free. Uh, and I love, I love. Uh, so, so my buddy Nathan, Nathan, if you're listening right now, uh, shout, shout out to Nathan McFarland. Out. He's an awesome musician, and I think he has his own. His even, own, uh,
0: even, even more.
1: He's an awesome dude. He's an awesome dude. <laughs> He's a great guitar dude. I love you, man. I, I love your not fa- just for your, your face,
0: musicianship,
1: but just for your, your 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 heart for God. Yeah, absolutely. shout out to you, friend. Yeah, you awesome, handsome dude. Um, All right, that's enough. Okay. Well, he he gave me this really <laughs> cool book uh, called "The Twelve Whatabouts," um, and it's answering objections uh, concerning God's sovereignty, uh, especially in, in election. Um, but I love this this point. There's a whole chapter devoted to free will, and I love what this book has to say, this book was written by John Sampson. Uh, it's an awesome book. Uh, I believe you might be able to order it from like Monergism, monergism.com. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me just read this portion uh, from this book. It says, um, I don't believe the issue is particularly complicated, which is why I'm attempting to write a brief article on it here talking about free will. Uh this is not an entire treatise on the will. However, I think enough can be said in short in a short time to to get all of us thinking. And by the way, just before I read the rest of this uh paragraph, um there are some really good books on this. There's Jonathan Edwards uh The Freedom of the Will. Mm-hmm. That's a good book uh on this issue um Which you th-
0: learned in our last podcast of Hamilton is um a descendant of my I'm a descendant of Jonathan Edwards. It's like Edwards.
1: Jonathan Edwards is like your great 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 I haven't figured Uncle. all those details yeah, out yet. Yeah, something like that. We'll get back to you on we'll that. We'll get back to you on that once we have, like, you know, papers. <laughs> um, but Martin Luther also wrote, um, uh, well, actually, no, wait. is The Bondage of the Will. Yeah, that's what he wrote, Bondage of the Will. Both are great, really great books. But anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just supplemental reading there. Um So back to this quote from this book. Coming to an understanding of the human will, though not complicated, it oftentimes hampered by our firmly held traditions and man-centered tendencies. We are all born Pelagians at heart. Now, if you don't know what a Pelagian is, we're about to define it. Uh, Thinking we can be anything we want to be, do anything we want to do, whether or not God has a will in the matter. Human beings have wills. God has a will. But what exactly does that mean? Can man do everything he chooses? Can man fly to the moon unaided by a machine? Can man go to the North Pole and survive in just a t-shirt, uh, shorts, and shoes on? Can man take a deep breath and live underwater for a day without oxygen? No. Man's free will is limited by his nature. Mm-hmm. That's important. We're going to come back to that. Uh It is not within man's nature and ability to fly to the moon unaided, to survive extreme cold without being sufficiently wrapped up, or to survive in water without oxygen. The problem is not the will, it is the nature of man. Because it is is not in man's nature to do a thing, he is not free to do the thing. Have you noticed, though the term free will is banded about every day, other than in the Old Testament passages speaking of free will offerings, which simply refer to monetary gifts that are over and above what God demands in the law, and which are irrelevant to our discussion, you don't actually find the phrase in Scripture that because man's will has suffered a radical corruption in the fall, like the fall of mankind in Genesis, uh, because our nature as unregenerate human beings has no interest in seeking after God, as Romans three eleven says, our will chooses one hundred percent of the time to turn from God rather than towards Him. Uh, and, and there's more on the subject that I could read, but I want to leave it there because it, it makes a really good point. And, and this kind of gets back um, to a to a quote that I really love from R. C. Sproul. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't actually have the, the quote in front of me. But basically, he's talking about man's nature because uh, man by his nature is totally depraved. Um, he, he doesn't have the will to, to do what is right in the eyes of God. And so the want to, the desire, it, it isn't there. Um, and even uh, Augustine, who was an early church father, um, has a really good quote that says, "...to will is of nature, but to will aright is of grace." Um, yeah. And we'll get more into that, I'm sure, a little bit later. But but I want to define briefly, if I will, um, the difference between philosophy and theology, uh, especially when it comes to free will and God's yeah. sovereignty. Because God's sovereignty yeah. is mentioned throughout the whole of Scripture. Um, you don't see free will anywhere. Uh, and I think that's, again, you know, Scripture warns us about you know, being deceived by philosophy and by human cunning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we want to avoid that because we never want to bring in human wisdom or philosophy Mm -hmm. and try to view scripture through that lens. We look to God's holy word. We look to scripture and we view everything in all of creation through the lens of God's word, not the other way around.
0: And that's why it's so important that we wanted to do this podcast to to look at everything that's happening in our world right now through the lens of scripture. Yeah,
1: I mean that's why it's the Bible and, and whatever it is yeah, that we're talking we're not about.
0: Supplementing things to to prove that the Bible is accurate and inerrant. It is. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And the last thing we want to give is our opinion. We just want to give Correct. what God says because, and that's what I'm about to talk about. As far as God's wisdom mm-hmm. versus. Man's wisdom, uh, and I've got a couple of verses from God's Word that that talk about that. First Corinthians chapter one is just uh, a plethora of golden nuggets here. Golden nuggets, <laughs> golden nuggets of truth. Uh, starting at verse eighteen, for the word of the cross is folly mm-hmm. to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart." But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Uh, And I love this next part. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards not many were powerful not many were of noble birth i mean think about just to to deviate from scripture for a second think about the apostles who yeah. were the apostles um
0: well some of them were people that others hated tax collectors fishermen
1: yeah i mean um, well yeah well they for the most part they were uneducated and that's what yeah. the book of acts uh chapter 4 actually said um the pharisees uh start, uh Verse 13 in chapter four it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John um, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Yeah. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. These were people who were uneducated. You know, they didn't necessarily know the scriptures as much as the Pharisees did. And, and there again, it kind of goes to prove the Pharisees pretty much knew Scripture inside and out, but they were hypocrites. Mm-hmm. You know? And Peter and John uh were not educated men, but they knew Jesus. They had a relationship with Jesus. They knew him. Yeah. You know, and that's what made them different. And granted they had the Holy Spirit and 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 like they like scripture says right here in First Corinthians chapter one, that the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Uh, and, and then it goes on in verse 27 it says, but God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise, at least the wise of this world. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring, no- bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God. So again, I guess I, I chased a little bit of a rabbit there, but I say all that to say that we should be listening to what God has to say mm-hmm. about wisdom Having our foundation coming from the entirety of Scripture and not necessarily what what men say. I'm not trying to say there's not anything that can't be useful in the world, but I'm saying right. at best, philosophy, if it lines up with the Word of God, can be useful, or I, I, I won't say supplemental, but like you know, it's it's useful. And at worst, it's completely contra- contradictory to the Word of God mm-hmm. and is heretical. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, like, so take it for, you know, for what it is. And and I say all that just simply because, you know, we want to make sure that we're getting our foundation from Scripture and not from um, any form of human wisdom. It's just like the quote that we said uh, in our first podcast about the inerrancy of Scripture. You know, you can take the wisest, most Mm. smartest intellectual person in the entire world, whoever that is, picture that person in your brain. Albert Einstein, I, I don't know. The smartest human being of the world, if that person doesn't know God, God says he doesn't know anything, you know, yeah. and you can take the dumbest, most uneducated person in the world who doesn't know anything about science or math or anything like that, but he knows Jesus Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: Bible says that person is the one who's wise, right. not the one who knows all these other facts and head full of knowledge, but doesn't know God it's, it's, it's the reverse. It's the upside down kingdom. Yeah. You know, um, first Corinthians, you know, he chose what it was low in this world, uh, to, to, to bring shame to the wise. 1 Corinthians two fourteen through 16 Now the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he, uh, is himself to be judged by no one, for who, has understand, for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. That is a, a profound statement. I don't think people really quite grasp that when you are drenched in the word of god and you possess the holy spirit god himself residing in your soul and your heart god has opened our eyes to what at least what he has revealed in scripture and we have the mind of christ you know that that's a crazy awesome statement it's very hard
0: to it's very hard to put into words especially to people who are unbelievers. Um, But yeah, that's a very comforting um, promise that God gives to us.
1: And I think we said that in the last podcast too, but it doesn't mean that we're God. It doesn't mean that we know all things, but it means that we do know and we're at least aware of, according to God's word, that we have everything that we need for life and godliness. The things that we need to know, God has revealed and we can know them. Right. We can know them uh, by, by being drenched in God's word. Um, I
0: mean, we really are on a need to know basis. I mean God is in the heavens and does all that He pleases.
1: Uh, you know? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh well, you know, I mean Old Testament, you know uh, the secret things belong to the Lord right you know, but He has revealed what He wants us to know.
0: but um to to further along the point we're trying to make is God is either completely sovereign or he is not sovereign at all. so he cannot be partially sovereign. Um, it's all or nothing. It's the definition of sovereignty. He is sovereign over salvation. And if he is not, he is not sovereign. Therefore, he is not God.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I really like this quote from Lorraine Bettner. Uh, God is the creator, sustainer, owner, and final disposer of all things. Mm-hmm. He does not merely exert a general influence, but he actually rules in the world in which he has created. I, mean, I
0: really like go figure. that he says... <laughs> He does not merely exert a general influence. He doesn't just influence people. He is, like he said, rules the world.
1: Well, there is a popular belief, you know, in the world um, that basically says, you know, God created the world, but he basically has no influence over what happens or he... You know, may do things here and there, but basically he's not in control of the events of human history. Uh, if so, then why would all these awful things have happened? Uh, in other words, it makes it sound whole, like...
0: It's the whole, why do um, bad things happen to good people? Well,
1: well right, yeah, because man makes these things happen. If God were mm-hmm. in control, then why do they happen? Which we're going to discuss all of that in detail as well. But the Bible clearly teaches that God is totally sovereign. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a general rule or influence, but a complete rule. He has universal and absolute power. Uh, that's what it means to be God Almighty. He oh, has right. all the might, all the power, uh, but, is not, but it's not a blind power. It's compiled with infinite wisdom and love. Uh, A.W. Pink, he says, uh, "The craving today is for something light and spicy." Uh, and few have patience, still less desire to examine carefully that which would make a demand on both their hearts. And their mental powers.
0: So, I mean, what I would say is, let's avoid that. Let's use our hearts and our brains. (laughs) Um, And, I mean, because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart.
1: All your soul. All your soul, all your mind,
0: mind, and all your strength. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, question. Who is... uh, Question. (laughs) Who is is regulating affairs on the earth today? Is it God or is it the devil? God. God. 100%. Even within the church, the popular view is that man is some sort of moral free agent and that Satan is to be blamed for the evil that's in the world today. And mm. sadly, the responsibility for man's sin is often attributed to the devil. Like, what? what's the saying?
0: That, oh, the devil
1: made me do the it. The devil made me do it. Um, mm mm-hmm. But
0: Or I, this is the one that I like, and I admit I've used it sometimes as a joke, but I'm like, not today, Satan. Not, not today, today, Satan. Not today. Uh,
1: but <laughs> here's the thing. Mark 7, verses 21 through 23, clearly teaches that from within, mm. out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, yep. sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sens- sensuality, Envy, slander, pride, foolishness—all of uh, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So yeah. we don't necessarily need Satan's help. We are completely uh, sinful on our own without his help. That's because we don't want
0: to blame ourselves for what we think
1: and yeah. what we feel. Well, you know, there's there's a quote by Martin Luther, and and I think about it often when it comes to this issue. But basically, uh, to paraphrase, it's like you know. Our thoughts of man are too high, you know and and our thoughts of God are are too low now i'm I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but it really had yeah. to be like our thoughts of man are too high, but we often like to think of God as being like us when scripture says that he he 's nothing like us no. he, that's what it means to be holy, the word holy means to be set apart he is set apart from us as isaiah says he he is his ways are higher than our ways his mm-hmm. thoughts are not our thoughts right. his ways are not our ways as high as the heavens are above the earth are as high as his ways are above ours yep. um
0: yeah second timothy three twelve through 13 uh still rings true today and it says indeed all who desire to live a godly life in christ jesus Will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived.
1: I would say that that's e- very true. Events that are happening today in, in today's world, I would say that they're going from bad to worse. I, I think twenty so. I think twenty twenty has think, been a pretty good example I of that.
0: <laughs> twenty twenty can go in the suck it bucket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I have not ever heard that before. But
0: you know. Every day is a day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. But so it you know what? Matter. But you
1: know what? Because God is sovereign, mm-hmm. we can know that 2020 mm-hmm. works for good for those who that love is... God and are called together. Amen to, his to purpose. that.
0: All the babies that were born in 2020, we rejoice in. Um, some good has happened in this world in 2020. Can you
1: imagine in the future they're going to be called COVID babies?
0: Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> no, don't.
1: Anyway, oh, anyway.
0: <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said that um, no doctrine in the whole Word of God has more excited the hatred of mankind than the truth of the absolute sovereignty of God. Christ is being despised and rejected by millions of people, even worse in our modern pulpits. To quote A.W. Pink, Christ is being disowned and dishonored.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pink assesses uh, the conceptions of God's sovereignty from Orthodox preachers as is not, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to quote him here. Uh, Is it not that a disappointed God is the one whom Christians believe in? From what is heard from the average evangelist today, is not any serious hearer obliged to conclude that he professes in a God, or to believe in a God, who is filled with benevolent intentions, yet unable to carry them out? That he is earnestly desirous of blessing men, but they will not let him? then must not the average here draw the inference that the devil has gained the upper hand and that God is to be pitied rather than blamed? Mm. I mean, that's some pretty powerful words. And a lot of people would draw the inference from situations like that. Like, you know, does it look like God's in full control? Mm. Does it look like he's ruling the world? Doesn't it look like Satan is in more control of things than God is? I mean, look at the world as it is today and all the things that happen in it. But the problem is that we're walking by sight and not by faith. Right. You know, for pink, walking by faith means that our thoughts are formed, our actions regulated, and our lives are molded by the Holy Scriptures. You know, Romans ten seventeen teaches us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. In other words, it is only through God's revealed Word that we can fully and accurately understand God's revelation, I'm sorry, or God's relation to the world. Right. So... Three things scripture reveals about God's sovereignty. Mm. Number one, that God is on the throne of the universe, the scepter is in his hand, and all things are being directed by the counsel of his will.
0: Yes. Number two, not only did God create all things, but he is ruling and reigning over all the works of his hands.
1: Number three, Mm -hmm. God is the almighty His will is irreversible. He is absolutely sovereign in every realm of all his vast dominion. Mm -hmm. There are only two possible scenarios that God must either rule or be ruled, sway or be swayed, accomplish his own will, or be thwarted by his creatures. There is no middle ground. It is either or.
0: Yeah, and I do believe that one of the major reasons the church and our culture has become so impotent to impact the culture is because of our weak view of God's sovereignty.
1: Yeah. Um, and
0: unfortunately, um, this weak view sees God as a far distant spectator taking no immediate hand in the affairs of man. So let the words of Daniel eleven thirty two spur us on to end the apathy. But the people who know their God still stand firm and take action.
1: Amen. Uh, we must proclaim God's sovereignty to the world. Yeah. Uh, as crazy as things may seem, uh, God is still in control.
0: Yep.
1: As scary as the thought of having our run uh, our nation run by Donald Trump, <laughs> or um, you know, or, or COVID uh, doing everything that it's doing to our nation. Um, I mean, name it. You name everything that 2020 has brought. As crazy and as scary as all those things are, um, none of this is murder
0: uns- hornets. I mean, no, it's, yeah. all, it's all happening.
1: Well, my point is that none of this is unexpected, not to God. Yeah, none yeah. of this is unexpected. Nothing will ever take God by surprise. God has ordained these things to pass. They are his servants. They do as he commands according to his own purpose and glory.
0: Yeah.
1: Ephesians one eleven. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works some things?
0: No. Nope. All, all things.
1: things. All things, the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Not some things, all, all things. things. Say it with me one more time. All, all things. things
0: For the people in the back.
1: All right. so so keep these eight things in mind. Number one, man has a will, but so does God. Yes.
0: Number two. Man is endowed with power, but God is the all-powerful.
1: Number three, the material world is regulated by law, like the laws of logic, nature, gravity, (laughs) things like that. Uh, But behind those laws is a law giver Mm -hmm. and a law administrator.
0: Uh, Number four, man is the creature, but God is the creator. Yes. We forget that often.
1: Uh, Number five, endless ages before man first saw light, the mighty God existed where he made his plans and founded the world.
0: Yeah. Number six, man is finite, God is infinite.
1: Yes. Number seven, God's plan and purpose cannot be thwarted or withstood by his creatures.
0: And number eight, unlike the beasts of the field, we are not ignorant. Of our origin or unconscious of what is before us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that twice now in Romans 1. Yeah. Um, so what does Genesis 1-1 say? What are the first four words mm, of, some the Bible? of the
0: Probably the four most important words of the Bible. Which are? In the beginning, God.
1: Boom. <laughs> um, in the beginning, And don't God. close the
0: book there, guys. Because you need to know what
1: the rest says. But in the beginning, God. Pink says, um, begin with the world as it is today and try to work back to God. And everything Mm -hmm. will seem to show that God has no connection with the world at all. But begin with God and work down to the world in light. Much light is cast on the problem. That's kind of like what we were talking about, I think, in our first first podcast about the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm Mm-hmm. It was that quote by oh I can't even remember who it was by now, but it was basically the fact that like about uh, the
0: mountains.
1: Well, yeah, it was like about you know how these like scientists are trying to to climb the peaks of all knowledge, mm-hmm. and when they finally get to the very highest peak, they find a group of theologians who have been there for centuries. Oh right, you know? right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because the problem is that is that uh, the atheistic, Darwinistic, scientific you know type of view is to try to explain everything in the universe. From what we, from what we know. Right. You know, or based off of the evidence. So in other words, we start with the premise that there is no God. And we try to explain everything. And what ends up happening is instead of answering any questions.
0: Theory, 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 We have
1: 10,000 more questions. Right. So we never actually answer any questions. They're either theories or just more questions. Uh But when we start with the foundation that God exists, Mm -hmm. everything makes a lot more sense. You yep. know? Yep. Um, so, yeah. Which brings me to my next question. What is our objective standard of truth, then?
0: I know. I know. Go for it. Scripture. Boom. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> do I get points?
1: You you get...
0: As Griffin would say in Clark, mm-hmm. you get a dollar.
1: <laughs> well, oh. as whose Line would say, thousand points. The, the, point, the
0: points don't matter. Points don't matter. We all know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, how do we know anything about God? Of course... Sorry, I'm eating popcorn right now.
0: That's what we do, guys, That's when what we do this
1: podcast. Yeah, we drink coffee and eat popcorn. Um, yeah.
0: Welcome so to how our do we?
1: Yeah, welcome to our world. So how do we know anything about God? Uh, of course, it's It's his word yeah. that he's revealed to us. Right. Right? You know, um, obviously we had the law, Old Testaments. Yeah. You know, given down from heaven, written by the finger of God on the tablets, given to Moses. Yep. Um, We've got the New Testament mm-hmm. written by the apostles. Yep. Holy Spirit inspired. Mm-hmm. Got the word of God. Um, Jesus Christ, son of God, sent down. God himself condescended himself, put on human flesh. As John 1 would say, in the beginning was the word, word was with God, and the word was God. Yep. And that, that word being Jesus, the word put on flesh yep. and dwelt among us. Um, so yeah, what's the objective standard of truth? Scripture. Um, it's important to know here that even though the Bible was written by the hands of men, uh, they are the very words of God Himself. Just another thing that God is sovereign over. Yep. You know, Second Peter one nineteen says, "And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well, You will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place." until the day dawns and the morning star, morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from God as they carried as they were carried along by the holy spirit
0: yeah and i'll repeat what we the verse we spoke of in our first podcast about the inerrancy of scripture 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we, therefore, rest in God's revealed word, no matter the circumstances we are in. When uh, Psalm 16, 6 actually says, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Um, so we believe in faith, not by sight, that God is in control because he has promised it.
1: Yeah. Um, as A.W. Pink says, um, so long as we are occupied with any other object other than God himself, there will be neither rest for the heart nor peace Mm. for the mind. But instead of bowing to the testimony of Holy Writ, if instead we are walking, instead of walking by faith, we follow the evidence of the eyes and reason therefrom, we shall fall into a quagmire of virtually atheism.
0: I feel like we would, um... I like uh, the way A.W. Pink writes, and I don't know what time frame he lived in. Um, I think, but I think he was,
1: I think he was nineteenth century. But
0: I like the words he uses, like "holy writ," and the Holy reason Ritt. they're from Quagmire. Um, they sound like so educated. Of course, A.W. Pink was very educated. So. Um,
1: 1886 to 1952.
0: Okay, well there yeah. you go. Um, now I chased around. So he only
1: he only died like seventy years ago.
0: You know. <laughs> not,
1: too, not too long ago. I'm
0: going to okay. add some words to my vocabulary, guys. That's all yeah. I'm really
1: saying. Um, so like Psalm 39.9 says, I am mute. Yeah. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Yeah. Romans 11, 33, 34. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor?
0: Yeah. A.W. Pink also says the unbeliever is of the world. Judges everything by worldly standards, views life by the standpoint of time and sense and weighs everything in the balance of his own carnal making. Uh, but the man of faith bring in God, looks at everything from his standpoint, estimates value by spiritual standards, and views life in the light of eternity.
1: Yeah. Um, this is a really, really cool quote uh, by Charles Spurgeon. And, and if you don't know the Spurge, y- Spurge. Y- you, you got you to... Gotta, I don't know. Invest in the Spurge. I'm sure you could go on YouTube. And they've got, I mean, everything that's probably over 100 years old is probably free domain at this point. Probably. So, so you could probably listen to like all his sermons online for free. Um, but there's a reason why he was dubbed by many people as the Prince of Preachers. He's awesome. The,
0: original, um, the OG?
1: The, <laughs> he's not the OG, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he's pretty awesome. Um, but old Spurgey Spurge. He said, opposition to divine sovereignty is essentially atheism. "'Men have no objection to a God who is really no God. "'I mean by this, a God who shall be the subject to their caprice, "'who shall be a lackey to their will, "'who shall be under their control. "'They have no objection to such a being as that, "'but a God who speaks, and it is done, "'who commands, and it stands fast, "'a God who has no respect for their persons, but does as he wills among the armies of heaven and the inha- among the inhabitants of the lower world. Such a God as this, they cannot endure. Yeah. Because God is God. Yeah. You know, he does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases, that his great concern is the accomplishment of his own pleasure and promotion of his own glory. That he is the supreme being and therefore sovereign of the universe.
0: So question, what is the sovereignty of God? And what are the decrees of God?
1: Answer, his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass.
0: Yes, Isaiah 46, 9-11 through 11 says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there was none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. And when you start getting into the word and start reading about God's sovereignty, God makes it pretty clear in the Bible. There really is no room for error.
1: First Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all Above all. Above all. To say God is sovereign is to declare five things. Number one, that God is God. Mm. He is not God if he is not sovereign.
0: Yeah. Number two, he is the most high. Uh, Daniel 4.35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can say his hand or say to him, What have you
1: done? Yeah, none can stay his hand.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. None can stay his
1: hand. Um, uh, Number three, uh, he is the almighty, uh, the possessor of all the power in heaven and earth so that none can defeat his counsels, thwart his purpose, or resist his will. Mm. Psalm 115.3, as we said earlier, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases.
0: Yeah. Number four. He is the governor among nations, setting up kingdoms, overthrowing empires, and determining the course of dynasties as he pleases. Uh, Psalm 22, 28, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Proverbs 21, 1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's crazy, and I don't have this in my notes, but um, yeah, God is responsible for... Setting up nations, the rise and the fall of nations. Yep. Um, I remember uh, in the Old Testament, you know, um, God decides he's going to judge Israel. Mm -hmm. And he's going to judge Israel by a wicked nation of the Assyrians. Yeah. So basically, God puts it in the heart of the Assyrians to judge his people, Israel, because they disobeyed him. And then God turns right back around and judges the Assyrians for doing exactly what he wanted them to do. Yeah. This is the power of God.
0: He does all that he wills for his purpose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's like it's like we only did exactly what you wanted. That's right. And I'm going to judge you for it. Yeah. You know because what you wanted and again that goes kind of go back into the book of Acts. You know, it talks about um the purpose of God uh through Christ. Let me ask you a question. Who killed Jesus?
0: Uh, The Father did.
1: God did. God did. A lot of people would say, oh, well, it was wicked men or it was, Mm. you know, uh, Pontius Pilate or anything like that. No. No. Uh, The book of Isaiah says that it was the will, it pleased the Father to crush him. him. It was the will of the Father for the salvation of the world, but not only that, for the glory of God. Acts chapter 2. This verse is proof that sinful men mm-hmm. did exactly what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was to crucify and kill the Lord of glory. And even though in man's heart, it was their will to want to kill Jesus. Yeah. God's will was the definite plan and foreknowledge of God to crucify Jesus. Right. And right. he used their sinful desire to do it. Right. This is how sovereign God is is that he can use the sinfulness of men to accomplish his purpose, mm-hmm. the will of God, the salvation of all, you know, people who believe and bring glory to God the Father through Jesus Christ. This is why scripture calls Jesus the lamb slain from before mm-hmm. the foundation of the world because this did not slip out of God's hands right this was not a plan b god had planned this event from before anything was ever made before the foundation of the world it was god's plan to send jesus christ to this earth to live the perfect life to be the lamb slain for the sins of the world right um so yeah so moving right along um, yeah, and, and then we see, yeah, uh, like you said in Psalms 22, uh, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. You know, sets up kingdoms, uh, breaks down kingdoms. Um, even the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, but He turns it wherever He wills. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, He, um, as First Timothy 6:15 states, uh, He is the blessed and only Sovereign, mm-hmm. the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the God that we worship. Yeah. As A.W. Pink says, the God of Scripture, the God of the 21st century, however, is a helpless, effeminate being who commands the respect of no really thoughtful person, uh, no really thoughtful man, uh, any, uh, an object of pity rather than an awe-inspiring reverence. Um, to say that God the Father has proposed the salvation of all men is to say that God the Father is disappointed. To say that God the Son intended to die for the salvation of all men at all times is to say that God the Son is dissatisfied. Mm. Uh, To say that God the Spirit is now seeking all men uh, is to say that God the Spirit is defeated. To say that God is trying His best (laughs) to save all men, but the majority of men are rejecting Him is to declare that the Creator's will is impotent Mm. and the creature's will is omnipotent. To blame Mm. Satan is to insist that he is defeating God's purposes, therefore making Satan the Almighty, and consequently removing God's title as supreme being.
0: Yeah. And you know, we said earlier that we were going to split this into two parts, but I really don't think we need to. I think we can just say everything we want to say. I'm
1: sorry. I got like a mouthful of popcorn in my mouth. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think we can. I think we do it in one thing. That's a heavy quote, and and there are more heavy quotes, but... And we could probably take a nosedive into some of those things, and we might talk about them later. But, I mean, again, this is the sovereignty of God. This isn't necessarily the doctrines of grace, which I think would be a great podcast to do. Yeah,
0: Um,
1: I agree. But And we may, again, the way our notes are set up, we may talk about this a little bit later. Um, But, again, we're just trying to lay out what Scripture says. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I think the problem that a lot of people run into Um, and I'll just go ahead and mention it there's normally a debate among many Christians that's divided and it's normally between Arminians and Calvinists Uh, and there are other categories as well but just to give you a brief history um, and gosh, that, that could be a whole podcast in itself. It can, so just um, give them the clip. But it's right? basically the, the free will debate versus like, you know, the God's sovereignty debate. Yeah, the
0: Arminianism in, and, in is salvation. the one to, hold to the free will debate.
1: Um, you know, Armenians essentially believe, and I want to be fair when I say this, um, I mean, they basically believe in free will. Yeah. You know, they basically believe that man, and I think I'm being accurate and fair by saying this, but Armenians essentially believe, and, and when I say Armenians, it's basically, a uh, a Doctrine that developed from Jacob Arminius, and so, um, and, and then there's you know Calvinism, which, um, you know, we were with we the term Calvinist, which John Calvin, the great uh theologian, um, who wrote like the Institutes of the Christian Religion, uh, which I think both of these terms, like Arminian and Calvinist, were both kind of created after these men died. So, I'm pretty sure like Calvin would be rolling over in his grave if he knew anybody was calling themselves a Calvinist, um, <laughs> but. Well, some people will say that man is pretty much completely in control of their own salvation. It's their choice, right. it's their will. Um and that's going too far in one direction. And then you've got hyper calvinist, which is basically like which basically turns into fatalism like Caesar ossara whatever will be will be. Right. There's no need to pray, there's no need to evangelize, there's no need to do whatever anything. Whatever's
0: going to happen is going to happen anyway. God's, I can't God's in
1: complete control and and you know there's we don't need to do anything. And that's going too far in the other direction. But yeah. there's a middle ground. And I think there are a lot of, I mean, Calvinists that, that that stand in that main ground, and I think Scripture's pretty clear that God is the author of salvation. Yeah. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So man did not do anything to be saved, even when it comes to his faith. His faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. His repentance is a gift. All of that is a gift mm-hmm. from God. Yeah. Man cannot take 1% of credit for his salvation. Yeah. Because God drew him, God predestined, God elected, God drew him, God made sure he was, according to the book of Acts, at the time and dates of which he would hear the gospel, God softened his heart to where he would receive the gospel by faith. So when he received the gospel call, he came, Mm -hmm. he accepted, Uh, at that point God adopted him into his kingdom, justified him in the courts of heaven as righteous, no longer a sinner, but now declared in the court of heaven a saint, Make sure that he will persevere into the end. He sanctifies him, and in the end, glorifies him. God gets 100% of the credit. Man gets yeah. none. Yeah. None of the credit at all. Um, but it, but it's, a, it's a heavy, heavy topic that a lot of people get very offended about. Uh, and, and I think one of the best quotes I've ever heard about it, heard on this topic Which, again, it offends a lot of people, but it was by John Owen. Mm -hmm. And John Owen basically has this quote separated in in three categories, I think. And I'm just going to be straightforward and honest. I think John Owen is absolutely right in this statement. I I think he nails it on the head. And it's kind of a, a paraphrase of the statement that we just read, but... You know, here's the reality of the things. The there there are things that we just cannot negotiate about, right? right. The Bible talks about predestination. Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about election. The Bible talks about choosing people for salvation before the foundation of the world. We can't disregard the fact that the Bible does talk about those things.
0: Yeah, well, God is also not the author of confusion. Right. So I think that, um, you know, a lot of cherry picking is happening to, right. to fit Scripture into how they want it to be
1: right and so like it's like I, i've often said it's like do, do people choose to follow jesus absolutely they sure. do but like we just said if you have that desire in your heart heart it's because god put it there yeah. yeah you know um john 6 uh verse 44 i believe is probably one of the most clearest verses in the bible that talks about this subject mm-hmm. and and um i'll just pull it up that way i'm not misquoting the verse but It's very, very clear. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Yes. And I will raise him up on the last day. And in that, you see the completion of salvation. You do, Not only am I going to, are they not going to come if the Father doesn't draw him, but I'm going to go ahead and skip to the end and say, I'm going to raise him up on the last day. That's how sure this thing is. If you receive the call from God, then I'm going to raise you up on the last day because that's a surefire thing, you know. And rest assured, you're not going to come. Unless God calls you,
0: yeah, because it's important to know, like we are truly dead in our sin. Yeah, we are dead in our sin. Ephesians dead, two: dead man cannot rise on their own. Yeah,
1: right? it, it's the it, it's the expression of the. It's like you know you're you're drowning in the middle of the ocean, right. and God throws you a life raft, but you've got to be able to be willing to grab the light raft, the light boat, the the. What am I trying to say? The. The lifesaver. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like, but it's up to you to grab the lifesaver. I'm like, no. You can't if you're dead. You're not drowning in the ocean. (laughs) You're already dead. You're You're already drowned. You're You're a dead, rotting corpse at the bottom of the ocean. You are
0: fish food.
1: You're fish food. And
0: can dead men just rise from the bottom of the ocean? No.
1: That's why God must breathe life into you. We are
0: not going to inherently come to God on our own. I don't think we're even capable.
1: Well, I mean, Ephesians 2 says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, yeah. but, God, but God, being yes. rich in mercy, made you alive, alive, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And then what does he say? And this is not your own doing. Yes. It is a gift of God. So why? Because So that no, no one, one can boast. boast. Yes. For we are his workmanship yep. created for good works. I mean like that, th- that verse, I feel like it's one of the most clear verses in all the Bible that yes. you did not do this and praise God. Because if you did, then you could probably undo it. And and that's not really a sure thing. I don't want to rely on me for salvation. I want to yeah. rely on someone a lot more sure than me, which is yeah. God. And, and then Jesus and 6, uh, John 6, 65 makes it even more abundantly clear. He says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted mm-hmm. by the Father. If the Father doesn't grant it, you're not coming. Yeah. You're not coming. Why? Because you're dead in your sins. No one seeks for God, the Bible says. Yeah. No one even seeks for Him. Yeah. You know?
0: And if He draws you and you come, He will not turn you away. And, and, Those uh, are the promises well, that And that's
1: true. That's true. Uh, that, that's one of the, the greatest balances I see in, in scripture is, um, oh, where is that? Is that John? It's in John 6. We're in the same chapter. Um, it's all that the Father comes to me. I'm trying whoever to. comes to me
0: shall not hunger.
1: Where is it? You see it? Um, or, I'm sorry. We got the internet pulled up right now. We're trying to look at it.
0: And whoever believes in me shall never thirst.
1: Um, oh, no. It's uh, John six thirty seven right yeah. here. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. That's where you see God's sovereignty. If God has given them to the Son, they will Come. That's God's sovereignty in that verse. But then there's more to that verse. So verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come. It's a definite. Mm -hmm. They will come.
0: They will maybe come. They will.
1: And then the rest of the verse, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Yeah. So that there's that debate of Um Well, I don't know if I'm elect. I'm like, well, my job is not to find out if you're elect or not. My (laughs) job is to give you the whole counsel of God. And to, to share the gospel with maybe,
0: you. Maybe plant some seeds.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I cannot change your heart. Only right. God can do right, that. Right. Only God can do that. And so my job is to give you the gospel because again, Romans says that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of word of Christ. Um and, and then Romans one, it's like, you know, the, the word of God is uh, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? Yeah. So all I have to do is share the gospel. It's up to God. It's up to the Holy Spirit to actually save that person's soul. Yeah. You know? So my job isn't to to determine whether you're predestined or elect. My job is to proclaim the gospel because I could proclaim the gospel to a million people.
0: Yeah. A million people. We don't know who's elect. We don't know who's
1: elect or who's not. Right. And and I can guarantee you, if, if we preach the gospel to a million people and a million people reject the gospel... That was the will of God for them to reject the gospel. Mm-hmm. If one person out of a million comes to Christ, it was the will of God for only one person to come to Christ. And who knows? Maybe they'll receive the gospel later. Yeah. You know. But these are this is something in the mind of God. Only God knows that stuff. If we preach the gospel to a million people, and they all come to Christ. And it was the will of God for those people to come. Yeah. Um heaven has no borders. Yeah. And and like you, you made a really good point. You made a really good point, uh, about sowing seeds. Even first Corinthians talks about, uh, what is the specific verse? It's first Corinthians chapter three, starting at, uh, verse 10. Um, I'm sorry, starting at verse five. Um, what then is Apollos? What then is Paul? I mean, you could insert anybody like who are you who, who am i what
0: then is kelsey? you know yeah. yeah
1: what who is kelsey who's right servants through whom you believed mm-hmm. as the lord assigned to each i planted apollo's watered, but god gave the growth mm-hmm. so verse seven this is huge so neither he who planted nor he who waters is anything yeah but only god who gives the growth he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So even though, you know, God may be using us to plant seeds or to uh, to water, you know, it's God. It's yeah. all God. And he even goes so far as to say that we're nothing. Right. You know, we're not anything. It's only God who gives the growth. God still gets full credit for all of that. So so I guess just to wrap all of that in a nice little bow is to say that there's a tension in scripture. When you Mm. start looking at these two different things, like, well, I'm going to take this side. I'm going to take this free will Arminian side, or I'm going to take this, you know, hyper Calvinistic side. I'm like, and it's neither one of those. It's right there in the middle. It's the fact that does the old Testament say that you know, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I believe it. Why? Because Scripture says it. Oh, right. You know, does the Scripture say that God is not willing that any should perish? Yeah, I believe that. Although I do believe that in the context of that verse, that verse was actually written for believers. Right. You know, yeah. and there are believers who are yet to be born who have not had their att- the gospel, Their yeah. appointed times and place to hear the gospel, that yeah. they would receive it by faith. So, God is not willing that any of those, his people, you know, Mm -hmm. should perish. Um, Acts 18, starting at uh, uh, verse 10. uh, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, starting verse 9. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you. Why? For I have many in this city who are my people. These people have not heard the gospel yet. And God is saying, keep spreading the gospel i'll make sure that no one attacks you because i have people in this city who when they hear the gospel they're going to receive it by faith and they're going to be saved and i need you to send the message mm-hmm. again this is the sovereignty of god at work even jesus himself says to the pharisees in john 10 uh, verse 25 i told you and you do not believe you know that I've told you these things, and you don't believe why is it that you don't believe? oh, it's because you're, you're not, not my sheep. you're not my sheep, yeah, so to kind of resolve the tension there you know there's there's a quote by John MacArthur. I'm not going to go into the whole quote, but I'll, I'll just paraphrase it It's like basically saying when we're talking about the tension between those two different sides, yeah, you know, we don't have to necessarily pick a side we we believe them both, right you know we believe that God obviously. in in one sense, loves all people. Now, I think that's probably, in the context of most verses, a little different. I don't believe he loves all people with an agape type of love, a self-sacrificial type of love. But then again, Scripture talks about how we ought to love our enemies, and God's not going to command us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And God loves his enemies. He allows sinners to live every single day who hate him. Right. You know, and we ourselves were were enemies of God at one yeah, point. Yeah. You know, Romans five says that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, yep. that's when Christ died for us, adopted yeah. us into his kingdom. So I'm not gonna sit here and, and, and say one thing or the other. I know scripture talks about how God loves some people and he hates others. Right. You know, Psalms talks about how um God hates all evil evildoers. Yeah. You know, uh you know what? I'll say it like this. David Platt had a really good quote you know god hate doesn't just hate sins but he hates sinners you know yeah. how do i know look at the cross mm. you know but he also loves sinners how do i know
0: look at the cross, look at the cross.
1: <laughs> you know what i'm saying and, and so yes i i believe it's absolutely true that god loves all people in one sense and at the same time he um is willing to save some and, and not all yeah. um and, and gosh i took a huge detour
0: yeah
1: because, I, I was well, initially I mean, trying to get to a John Owen quote. Um,
0: oh, yeah, Christ. I know,
1: right? We, we, gosh, read that. Um, and so, it's a bold
0: quote. That's what and, you're saying. And, going it's, a, to and say. it's a
1: bold quote, but I think he's very accurate when he says this. He says oh. the Father imposed His wrath due unto, and the Son underwent punishment for either. This this article is called "For Whom Did Christ Die," and you've got one of three categories, right? All the sins of all men. All the sins of some men or some of the sins of all men. In which case it may be said that if the last be true that he died for some of the sins of all men, all men have some sins still to answer for. And so none are saved. That if the second be true that all the sins of some men, then Christ in their stead suffered for all the sins of all the elect in the whole world. And this is the truth. Um, But if the first case is true, that he died for all the sins of all men, then why are not all men free from the punishment due unto their sins? You may answer because of their unbelief. But I ask, is this unbelief a sin or is it not? If it is a sin, then Christ suffered that punishment due unto it, or he did not. If he did, why must that hinder them more than their other sins for which he died? Mm. If he did not, he did not die for all their sins. Yeah. In other words, if he died for all the sins of all men, then why are they still paying for it? That's double jeopardy.
0: Right, right. You know,
1: if, if if Christ paid for all your sin, then there's that's universalism for all men. Everyone goes to heaven. No one goes to hell. Well, we know biblically that's not true. Right, right. If he died for some of the sins of all men, then they still have mm-hmm. sins to answer for. It, which means that their sin hasn't been fully atoned for. Which means Christ, what Christ accomplished on the cross, is essentially a joke. For
0: nothing. Yeah. yeah.
1: And but if he died for all the sins of some men, then that's where Scripture lines up. Because again, even Jesus says in Matthew 20, 28, that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Many is not all.
0: It's not. You know.
1: And and, and I remember doing an in depth study, um, and you know, in the Greek, you know, there are times where all um can mean all, and there's a time where all can mean many, but there's never a case in the Greek where many means all. Right, and right. All, many means many,
0: and that's important also to because the New Testament was mainly written in um, Greek.
1: In Koine Greek, yeah. yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken,
0: and words have meaning,
1: it, it's yeah, <laughs> etymology is important. Yeah. Um, the word all and the word world have many different contexts.
0: So, like, like I think God there's 3, like 16, there's like fourteen to so so love the world.
1: Yeah, well I mean there's 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 like 14 different tenses I think of the word world. Like, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says like the whole world was taxed. Well, was the whole world really taxed or was it just a certain area in Palestine?
0: Oh, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah.
1: Um you know, uh, for God so loved the world, the cosmos, his creation, uh-huh. you know, and, and that could include, you know, people that live in the world. Um, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. But whosoever believes is the stipulation. Yeah,
0: yeah. You
1: know, and, and we've already defined that no one can just will themselves to believe. It has to be granted by the Father.
0: Yeah.
1: As John I mean, 6 says. You know, Christ and did and, not
0: and, die on the cross and. Shed his blood for people who are not going to believe. And before
1: John three is, it talks about the new birth, which again, regeneration of the spirit. You know, the new birth is an act of God. It's not something that man does. Oh, right, right. You cannot choose to be born physically. Why do you think you could do it spiritually? You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then after John three sixteen, it it's, it goes further to say that whoever believes uh, has eternal life, and whoever does not believe is condemned already. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could go there. And again, we're just trying to give you the whole counsel of God here. We're not trying to necessarily pick one side over the other. We're just trying to be faithful to the scripture and wrestle with the fact that the Bible says these things and it's not paradoxical. It's like Mm -hmm. if, if there are things in the Bible that we don't understand, the problem's not with the Bible.
0: Yeah, the problem's with us.
1: The problem's with me.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and I mean, it's like, and that's totally okay that we can say that, you know, we're, we're not, we're not God. Um, Gosh, man, (laughs) we have gotten far off. Because, again, I think that could probably be more about the doctrines of grace. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. God is sovereign in salvation. He is, yes. And and, and I feel like that you can't really talk about God's sovereignty and not talk about that. Because salvation is the most important thing that a human being needs to experience in his life. Yeah. You know, is coming to know who God is and having that saving relationship with him. Right. But anyway, um, we I could keep going on that. We're going to drop that and continue to move forward with four things that scripture denies.
0: So, yeah, there are four things that scripture denies, at least about what we've talked about. And then six things that scripture affirms. So, let's start with um, what scripture denies. Number one, it denies that the creator's plan has been frustrated by sin. Um Number two, it denies that God was taken by surprise in the garden, you know, of the fall of man. Um, Number three, it denies that a man is a free moral agent and determines his own destiny.
1: And and that's such a a slap in the face to man's pride. I know. Because all of our favorite movies are all based (laughs) off the premise that man chooses his destiny. Yeah.
0: That's
1: probably why the Bible's not popular. And
0: you know, (laughs) some Disney movies too...
1: Well you know, one of my favorite movies is, is The Matrix.
0: I know. Yeah, you know, and, yes, and like right. Neo
1: makes the quote in there, it's like, you know, do you believe or Morpheus is like, Do you believe in Destiny's like, No. <laughs> it's so like, Keanu I, I reads- don't, I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my own life. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, but that's his
0: key on reason. And there's great. a lot
1: of really cool bit. I'm sorry, I got popcorn in my mouth. Yeah, there's a lot of. Can really- I just?
0: I just need you all to have an illustration of what's going on here. Ryan has popped some popcorn, like we normally do for podcasts, and he chose to put this popcorn in a colander or a strainer.
1: Well, the holes in it aren't big enough for anything to fall through, so it works.
0: I mean, it does work for its purpose, but. Um, it's just a back, funny illustration. Back to the matrix. I'm just trying to give the, to the viewers
1: back to the matrix into our world. There's a lot of biblical references in the Matrix, like Neo being the one. They often talk to him talk about him being the savior and the Nebuchadnezzar, which is a biblical name mm-hmm.
0: and Are you mad about the popcorn thing?
1: No. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, it works. It works. Um Anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Number four. That was a really good Keanu Reeves, though. Uh, number four. It <laughs> denies that <Whoa>. the <laughs> I love it. It denies, number four, it denies that the creature has thwarted the plans assigned by the creator. It denies that God has been dethroned, and we cannot do that, that he has been degraded to finite, erring mortal, that man keeps God in check, therefore stripping him of his omnipotence, and that ultimately, this leads down a long, dark path towards atheism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So six things um, scripture affirms, right? Number one, that God, uh, that the sovereignty of God is absolute. Mm. It's irresistible. It's infinite. Number two, uh, you want to get that one?
0: Yeah. uh, God has the right to govern that universe, which he made for his own glory,
1: just as he pleases. Yep. Number three, he has the right as the potter over the clay... As Isaiah in Romans 9 says, mm-hmm. he, has the potter, he has the right as the potter over the clay to mold it into whatever he chooses, forming out of the same lump, some for honor and some for dishonor. Romans 9.
0: Yeah, number four, he is under no rule or law outside his own will and nature.
1: Number five, God is law unto only himself.
0: And number six, he is under no obligation to give an account to any other being
1: all right, so so how is God sovereign as we read through scripture, we read stories about israel, mm-hmm. Pharaoh, Jericho, David Goliath, Daniel Stephen, Peter Paul, mm-hmm. in each of these situations, some people live and some people suffer and die, but mm-hmm. why? why would God rescue some and allow others to die right and keep these questions in mind as we move forward <clears throat> number uh, i'm sorry, four ways. God is sovereign. Number one, God is sovereign in the delegation of his power to Mm. others. Example, Methuselah. He was old. Methuselah was (laughs) the oldest dude in the Bible. How old was he? He's like 900. He's almost a
0: thousand. He's almost a hundred thousand.
1: A millennium. Fun fact, fun fact. (laughs) I'm not going to chase too many more rabbit trails with this. Fun fact Methuselah, his name means when he dies, it comes when Methuselah died, the flood came.
0: Names back in that day had actual meaning to who they were going to grow
1: up to be. And you see that all throughout the entire Bible. Again, one thing that God is sovereign over is, and again, you know, like I was saying before, God has predestined all things that happen to take place. And again, just using their names as an example, when he dies, it comes. The flood was already planned. He was
0: 969, 969
1: years old. Years old. Um, Jacob, his his name means uh, like, deceiver. Like deceiver or supplanter, uh, liar. Um, even Esau was like, is he not rightly named, you know, Jacob, because he deceived me these two times? Um, and that was the mark of his life. You know, it's mm-hmm. like he deceived his brother, he deceived his father. Um, and, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people I could talk about, but yeah. like their names that they were given at birth defined who they were. Yeah. And again, that's just another thing that God's sovereign over the fact that I'm going to name you this, it means this, and then you're going to display your name throughout the course of your life.
0: And if that already doesn't prove that, that God predestined you before the beginning of the world, I mean, giving names to people who they were going to describe who they were going to grow up to be. Yeah. You know? So, I mean,
1: yeah. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate, we're not, we're not fatalists. Like, we're not, we're not, you know, God's already determined everything, therefore there's no reason for anything. That's, that's what a lot of people will say. Yeah. If God is sovereign, then why pray? Yeah. You know, if it's already been determined what's going to happen, then why do we need to pray to God? Well, number one, uh, why not pray to God? You know, Why would you pray to a God that's not sovereign, that doesn't have the power to make things happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you would want to pray to a God that has the ability to make things happen. And if your prayer isn't answered according to his will, it's probably because his will is better. You when know?
0: you get in a it, car to drive, do you not buckle up? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, and also God, you know, as Ephesians 2 says, he's like, he's planned us um, – you know, we are his workmanship. Um, what is the verse exactly? In, in Ephesians 2, it's like, you know, uh, we're to walk in the works that he has set before us. Mm-hmm. So even your prayers may be a part of the predestining. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, for example, in the Old Testament, um, God was going to strike down all the Israelites and kill them all mm-hmm. for their sin because they made the golden calf. And He was, like, he's like, I'm going to do it. And then Moses is like, no. Please, block my name out of your book, but don't do this. How is the rest of the world going to look if you wipe out the people that you saved out of Egypt? And because Moses intervened through prayer, God relented. Mm -hmm. Does that mean God changed his mind? No, No. it doesn't. God also knew that there was going to be someone to intercede on their behalf. Right. And he relented. Why? Because Moses prayed. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So, again, it doesn't escape the sight of God. And another objection that a lot of people will say is, you know, why evangelize um, if God's already chosen who will and who won't be saved? Like, why bother telling them if if God has already ordained everyone that's going to be in heaven, then they're going to be in heaven anyway. So why evangelize? Well, number one, because Scripture says faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And uh, again, in, in the book of Romans, how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them, you know? They have to hear the word of God in order to be saved. And that's where we have to be faithful and to share the gospel. So the sovereignty of God does not negate man's responsibility to do what God has commanded them to do. Because God has provided the means of which He is going to save His people. And don't get me wrong, God does not need us to save His people. God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants yeah but we get to be co-workers as first corinthians says with god how awesome is that that the will of god doesn't have to be accomplished through us but we it gets to you know yeah. like we, oh, yeah. we get to be a part it's of a this privilege of us. yeah yeah anyway I, again little detour there i just it came to my mind i wanted to address it because you know i don't want people to feel like you know what we do in this life doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. We should never waste our life. We should always be living, obedient to the scriptures. Um, because again, God's ways are higher than our ways. And, um, and, and this is how he has ordained things to be. Uh, so we're right here. Four, ga- uh, four ways God is sovereign? Yeah. Okay. Number one. God is sovereign in the delega- uh, delegation of his power to others. Oh yeah, that's and right. And we
0: said that, but we mentioned Methuselah. Yeah,
1: and then we got off track. Methuselah. Why did God give him the vitality to live so long? Samson, why did God give him more strength than anyone who has ever lived? Mm -hmm. You know, who in modern times, like Hitler, Stalin, Castro, Trump, Obama, uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power and to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. God is sovereign, therefore he does what he pleases, when he pleases, and how he pleases. God allows evil for his own purposes to accomplish his will. See the story of Joseph in Genesis. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Number two, God is sovereign in the exercise of his mercy. A.W. Pink uh, says that mercy is directed by the will of him who showeth mercy. Mercy is not a right in which man is entitled. Mercy is... That adorable attribute of God by which he pities and relieves the wretched. Uh, But under the righteous government of God, no one is wretched who does not deserve to be so. The objects of mercy, then, are those who are miserable, and all misery is a result of sin. Hence, the miserable are deserving of punishment, not mercy. To speak of deserving mercy is a contradiction.
1: Yeah. None of us deserve Um, mercy. We deserve help, yeah you know because we've all fallen short of the glory of god um the definition of sin harmartia in the greek is is an archery term we have missed the mark oh
0: yeah yeah we have
1: missed the mark what is the mark perfection Yeah. no one's perfect except jesus
0: i'll
1: say you know and when we have faith in him his righteousness is, is imputed to us through faith yeah. you know like um um, Second Corinthians says, "He who knew no sin became sin, so that we might be the righteousness of God. He took our sin; we got His righteousness when we had our when we put our faith in Him." Right. Um, a great quote from R.C. Sproul that I think I've mentioned before is the fact that you know no one gets injustice. You know, mm-hmm. it's the fact that everyone's either going to receive. Uh, mercy mm-hmm. or justice, but no one receives injustice. Why? Because um, if we're saved, we're saved by grace. Right. God gives us mercy, which is not what we deserve. He he withholds what we deserve. Mm-hmm. But if people get justice, then they get what they do deserve. Right. You know. And if we are all under the condemnation of sin, if we all deserve to hell, d- deserve to go to hell, then no one receives injustice. Yeah. It's either justice or mercy, but there's really no other option. Yeah. Um, a death sentence was pronounced on Moses in Deuteronomy 3 and Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20. Both men earnestly sought the Lord for reprieve. They prayed to God, and God showed mercy on Hezekiah, but not Moses. Why? Romans nine fifteen. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Yep. What about the invalid in John 5? There was a multitude of invalids at the pool of Bethesda, but Christ only chose to heal one of them. He could have very easily healed all of them, but why not? Again,
0: I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion.
1: Charles Spurgeon says, The right of punishment is the only right we can now claim upon the footing of justice. Mm -hmm. Henceforth, we are simply in the hands of God awaiting his sentence. He may, if he will, save the entire human race— If it pleases him, he may save none. If so, he wills. He may make this man a monument of mercy and leave his neighbor to reap the due reward of his works. That is what God has a right to do, and he claims his sovereign prerogative.
0: Mm. Yeah, number three. God is sovereign in his exercise of his love. And um, he has the ability to love whom he chooses and hate whom he chooses. Um, and that's very hard for some people, including Christians, to hear in our culture. Um, nonetheless, if God only loves some, then he must hate others. As Romans 9.13 clearly teaches, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. God loved Jacob and hated Esau from eternity, well before either one of them had a chance to do good or
1: evil. And it, and it clearly says that in Romans not like yeah. uh, Again, I, I've heard people try to reinterpret this verse. So many different ways. And it's like, well, it's like, you know, Jacob got the blessing and Esau didn't. Well, that's true. But, I mean, but how do you explain the next verse? In verse 11. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad. In order that God's purpose of election might continue. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. I mean, that's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, that's unrefutable.
1: You know, like, you know... And a lot of people might be saying, you know, how how can this be? God is love, right? Jesus loves you. God is love. He loves everyone. And I'm sure we've heard many Christians say that. But the yeah. real problem with people who are offended by this is that they truly don't understand like the holiness of mm-hmm. the almighty God. The horrific def- devastation of the abomination that is sin. You know, the answer... To this is found in Ephesians 2, 3, for we by nature are children of wrath. There's nothing good in us. There's nothing that's attractive to us that would attract us to God's love. At at this point, Spurgeon said, He loved them not for anything that they could ever gain from them, for he had all things in himself, but because of what he would impart to them. Uh, He also said, Of all the saints in heaven... It may be said that God loved them because he would do it. For by nature there was nothing more in them for God to love than there was in the very devils in hell.
0: Yeah, and and I want to stop and, and add something here if I can. God is love, but God is also just, holy, righteous, and good all the time. I mean, if God is truly fair, just, holy, righteous, and good... Then we all deserve to be in hell right now. So, I mean, thank God he is also merciful to those he has sovereignly chosen to save. And if God loves you, it's because you do not deserve his love. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, and again, to use biblical language, you know, um, like, from the, like from the Psalms, you know, about God, you know, hating uh, evil doers and think like, you know, if, if God hates you, it's because you deserve his hatred. Right. Again, as we all do, um, that is solely up to God's sovereign prerogative. I mean, it's like, and if anyone takes issue with that statement, trust me, it's like we do too. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, I'm not God. Right. Uh, oh, if yeah. there was something good in me that was worth saving, you know, I'm sure that would open up a whole can of contradicting biblical problems just to name one. It would mean that I'm really not all that bad. You know, but maybe there's something good in me that's worth saving, and that contradicts Romans 3, that none are good, not even one, no one seeks God, no one understands, all have become worthless. Um, So God didn't save me because I was worth it.
0: Yeah, because we can easily take the law and be like, oh, at least I'm not a murderer, at least I'm not a liar, you know, um, and...
1: And, again, I think we could also sit here and we could break down the different forms of love. There's yeah. there's phylos, which is brotherly love yeah. and affection. There's agape, which is self-sacrificial love. Right. Um, and so we could sit here and talk about all the different ways God loves people.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, um, and we could really talk about that type of love that he reserves for his children versus the rest of the world. Um, you know, and and like I said before, I believe that Scripture says that, you know, God is not willing that any should... Pay. Well, I mean, it also says that, um, you know, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, you know, yeah. but that—that that is true. But yeah. it is also true that Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Mm. So it's like, Again, the tension, like we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, if you're, like, just coming in and hearing that, you might want to go back and hear that part, too. <laughs> it's like, we believe both are true. God loves everyone, and he doesn't save everyone, yeah. you know? And it's— well, it, well— And scripture also says that he hates—you know, so it's like it's—there's a tension there. Don't get me wrong. There, there is. But it, it is what the Bible says.
0: To piggyback what you just said uh, God didn't save us because we're worth it, um, this is what truly makes God so good— And Jesus such an amazing savior is because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. As it says in Romans 5, 8, um, Christ died for the ungodly, those who didn't deserve to be saved and why he chooses some instead of all is his prerogative. And, um, and we know that's true because hell exists and people go there. Yeah. I mean, like,
1: again, we're talking about the almighty, all powerful God who literally has the power to do anything mm -hmm. that he wills. That's an important statement. God can do anything that he wants to do. So here's the thing. If God wants all people to be saved, then they will be.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: But all people are not saved. Otherwise,
0: and hell would not
1: exist. Hell, hell exists, and it people does. go there. It does. So, for God's ultimate glory, he saw fit to display his grace to mm-hmm. some and his justice to others, and that is God's prerogative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and I'm not God. And you know what? In Romans 9 talks about that, and we'll probably talk about that here in a second. You know, we, we ask that, you know, because the Bible, the Bible asks that very same question. Mm-hmm. You know, you will say to me, um... Well, you know, well, why does God find fault in anything that I do? For who can resist his will? And the Apostle Paul says, But who are you mm-hmm. to answer back to God? Who will answer back to the potter and say, Why have you made me this way? You know? Yeah. It, it, I mean, in other words, even though the Bible doesn't necessarily answer it, it's just like, Who are you to talk back to God? You know? yeah. It makes me think of the book of Job.
0: Oh, you know the yeah. book of
1: Job is basically basically like hey you know what job you think you're all you know you think you know all the right answers why don't you strap you know dress yourself like a man and prepare yourself for action um where were you when I created the universe hmm yeah where were you when I created all the constellations when I created every planet when I created the galaxies um, the behemoth you know the Leviathan all of these different things I'm like you don't even know what those mean do you oh that's right because you're man and I'm God <laughs> you know Paraphrasing a little bit, <laughs> so I mean, well, but I'm just saying that it's well, just yeah, like, that's true. who are we? Who are we? Who we we believe we? that God is good. He is yeah. good. He only does what is good. We believe the Book of Genesis when it says, "The God of all the earth will do, the Judge of all the earth will do what is right." Mm-hmm. We believe that. Yeah. So we believe that if God wants to display His mercy to some and His justice to others, He's good for that. Yeah. You know.
0: Um, Ephesians two four. Um, says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Um, A.W. Pink, you know, a quote from him, it says, he does love some, and it necessarily follows that the cause of his love must be found in himself.
1: Yeah. Um, The exercise of God's love toward us, the fallen sons of men, is according to his own good pleasure, Mm -hmm. because God is sovereign he logically must sovereignly love as he chooses. Yeah. If God were under some rules or obligation or law of love, if you will, to love all men equally, then guess what? He is no longer sovereign, mm-hmm. as, uh, as would now be ruled by this law of love and not his own supreme will. Yeah. Um, Ephesians 1 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption mm-hmm. to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He chose to love us. Why? Because of something good in us? No. 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 Because good works he foresaw that we would do in the future, which is a popular belief, like God looked down the corridor of time, saw yeah. that you were. A good person did a lot of good things no because we've yeah. already established that no one can do anything good apart from the holy spirit right so because you're by nature a child of wrath so according to your nature you cannot choose to do good right you know uh so no according only to the purpose of his good will and to the praise of his glorious grace yes
0: um number four god is sovereign in the exercise of his grace so you you probably heard the quote from the famous english reformer john bradford Uh, therefore the grace of God go I. But what does that mean? Um, As Pink says, grace is favor shown to the undeserving, yea, to the hell deserving. Justice requires that each shall receive his legitimate due, neither more nor less. Justice bestows no favor and is no respecter of persons. Justice, as such, shows no pity and knows no mercy. But after justice has been fully satisfied, grace flows forth. Divine grace is not exercised at the expense of justice, but grace reigns through righteousness, as it says in Romans 5.21. And if grace reigns, then is grace sovereign? Uh, God still has to show justice to those who deserve it, but he can show grace to whoever he pleases.
1: Yeah, Romans 5, 20-21, Now the law came in to uh, increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this reigning grace is God's sovereign mm-hmm. grace. We can simply define grace as unmerited favor from God. And I love this part. We're So, resulted from this definition, we can have three if-then statements, okay? Yeah. Number one, if grace is unmerited, then no one can claim it as an unalienable right.
0: Yeah. Number two, if grace is unearned and undeserved, then no one is entitled to it.
1: Number three, if grace is a gift, then no one can demand it. Mm. So the result, so the resulting conclusion is that the free gift of grace is given by God to whom he pleases. Mm -hmm. This completely eliminates man's ability to boast just like it says in first Corinthians, therefore bringing God all the glory. This also leaves no man, no matter how awful he is beyond the reach of God's grace. The apostle Paul is a great example of that. You know, the apostle Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. You know, he persecuted the church of Christ. He had Christians put to death. He hated Jesus because Mm -hmm. of what he thought he stood for, like a false savior. Until Jesus met him on you know the Damascus road mm-hmm. and yep. opened his eyes and turned him into the greatest evangelist, pretty much who ever lived, mm-hmm. from a Christian hater to a christ exalting lover, and the world got turned upside down yeah. you
0: know? so so once again throughout Scripture, we see multiple examples of God's sovereign grace, fairly bestowed as he choose chooses um, like in the Old Testament, why did God show grace? To Israel, but not the Gentiles. Yeah. Why Isaac, not Ishmael? Why Jacob, not Esau? Um, In the New Testament, why tax collectors and prostitutes? Uh, Not the Pharisees and Sadducees. Um, Why why the the uneducated and not the educated? Yep. Um, At the time of Christ's incarnation, why the shepherds and wise men and not all of mankind? The answer, of course, is... Is that God is sovereignly showing His favor to whom He pleases, when He pleases, and how He pleases, um, often to the most unlikely and unworthy.
1: Yeah. So just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, because um, we've been going for like an hour and thirty-four minutes now, um, we just have a few verses, and I say a few. There's actually a pretty good bit. We're going to
0: speed round. We're going to
1: speed round them um, that just kind of focus on the the sovereignty of God. Uh, Job nine twelve. Um, were he to were he to snatch away, who could restrain him? who could say to him, "What are you doing
0: job forty two two I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted
1: psalm one fifteen three our God is in the heavens, He does all that he pleases
0: psalm one thirty five six whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all in the deeps
1: psalm one forty seven four through five he counts the number of the stars, he gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite.
0: Proverbs 16, 1 through five. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs and motives. So weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Mm. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished.
1: Yeah. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, even the wicked for the day of Mm. evil. That's heavy. Yep um Isaiah 14:24 and verse 27 The Lord of hosts has sworn as I have planned so shall it be and as I have purposed so shall it stand for the Lord of the hosts for the Lord of hosts has purpose and who will annul it his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back
0: Isaiah 43:13 Even from eternity I am he and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand I act and who
1: can reverse it? Isaiah 45, 9 through 10. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, He has no hands. Woe to him who says to his father, What are you begetting? Or to the woman, To what are you giving birth? Isaiah
0: 46, 8 through 11. Remember this and stand firm, recall it to mind, your transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and the ancient times not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my council, far from country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. And we said that earlier.
1: Yeah. Um, Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. Mm-hmm. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And I love uh, this next verse. Um, the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar basically looked at the kingdom. He's like, look at this awesome kingdom, which my hands have made." Look at what I've done. Which my hands have made. And, uh, and God got mad at him and basically struck him insane to where he would act like a beast in the wilderness. And yeah, yeah, struck him insane. Um, and then Daniel 4, uh, verse 34 through 35 says, At the end of the days...
0: matthew ten twenty nine and thirty are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered
1: even the hairs of your head are numbered, and not only that, but every sparrow that exists on the planet. <laughs> not one will fall to the ground from a tree without God sovereignly knowing it, being yep. aware of it, and being in control of it
0: yeah luke one thirty seven for nothing will be impossible with God
1: um. Yeah, uh, let's see. Let me go down. Um, Romans 8, 29 mm-hmm. through 30. Um, for, the, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Uh, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those Mm -hmm. whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. glorified. And and this one, I want to say this one because this is the most disputed passage in all the Bible. But I I feel like it is the most clear cut. Could not be mistaken for anything other than what it's saying. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, it's Romans 9 verses 11 through 21. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills. And he hardens whoever he wills. Who's the active person doing the hardening in that verse? God. God is. So he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whoever he wills. And also, it's fair to say that Pharaoh also hardened his own heart. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. God can leave someone to be left to their own devices, and apart from the God's sovereign hand, they'll, they'll be who they are. Sinful. Yeah. Uh, and continuing on with that verse, You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? for who can resist his will and this is Paul's response but who are you o oh man to answer back to god well what is molded say to the molder why have you made me like this has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use to quote jesus i think Ooh, it was yeah. Ma- i think it was in matthew jesus even said do i not have the right to do what i want with what is mine yeah you know, that, I think that was like one of the parables um, of the tenants. I think. Um, keep going. Yeah. Ephesians one eleven through twelve. In Him we have obtained inheritance that having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we uh, were the we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory.
0: Yeah. God has lost none of His power, um, and is highly dishonoring to him to suppose that he's struggling along with the human race uh doing the best he can to persuade men to do the right thing um but unable to accomplish his eternal unchangeable holy wise and sovereign purpose
1: yeah it it must be really hard for god you know what i mean it's like i I can't i can't i can't shape the course of human history if you don't if you don't (laughs) obey my will you know i but free will, it's like, I can't oppose that. You know, I can't. It's lucky that you did everything that I needed you to do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, throughout Thanks the course of human history. Thanks for
0: break, Ryan.
1: Um, but yeah, no, uh, but this is also a really, really good one. Mm-hmm. It's a key verse, I think. Deuteronomy 29, two, uh, verses 2 through 4. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt. They saw... The parting of the Red Sea. They yeah. saw all the miracles, the plagues, uh, which let that be. Uh, it, let that be a sign. God mm. is in control of plagues. God is in yep. control of COVID nineteen. Yeah. God is in control of this.
0: Yeah,
1: you know. Um, you have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his land. As a matter of fact, sorry, did not to, to detrail there, but Scripture also says. Um After he hardened pharaoh's heart all those times, that God was the one who took credit for basically softening pharaoh's heart to let them go, he put it in the heart of the Egyptians to help them pack up and leave, and then he hardened their hearts back yeah. so that they would go back and pursue them
0: yeah,
1: that's powerful um to to the Pharaoh and to all his servants in the land in all his land. And great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and the great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand, or eyes to see, or ears Ears to to hear. hear.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's why their hearts were hardened against the Lord and they sinned and, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, Matthew 16, 17, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. As a matter yeah, of fact, he says to Pontius Pilate, You would not even have the power and authority that you have if it was not given to you by my yeah. Father.
0: Uh, John 3, 27, uh, John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven.
1: How many things? Um,
0: not even one.
1: Not even one thing. Yeah. Uh, John fifteen five. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. nothing. What can I do apart from Christ? Nothing. 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 Romans eleven eight, As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day.
0: In John 10, 25 through 30, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep.
1: Oh yeah, that, that's the one that we said earlier. Yeah. yeah, sheep hear my voice and I know them; they follow me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: So yeah, so the Bible teaches that God is sovereign over all things. How many things? All things. Yeah. Even human decisions, according yeah. to the Proverbs. Um, although God does not, uh, and, and and to be clear, you know, it's like like the Proverbs said before. It's like you know, man makes his play, makes his decisions, but basically the Lord guides his steps. Right, right, right. You know? um, although uh, God does not stir men to sin, uh-huh. like James 1.13 would say, mm-hmm. he is still working everything from individuals to nations to the end that he has willed, Isaiah mm-hmm. 46, 10-11.
0: And God's purpose does not depend on man, as Acts 17, 24-26 says. Yeah. Uh, nor does God discover or learn um, in 1 John 3.20, Job 34.21, Psalm 50:11 yeah. God Proverbs. is all-knowing.
1: He's all-knowing. Yeah. He already knows everything he needs to know. There's no reason for him yeah. to learn. He already knows yeah. everything.
0: All things are decreed by God's infinitely wise counsel. And they say that in Romans 11.
1: Yeah. Well, we have probably kept you guys here long enough. Yes. If you've stayed this long, you are a trooper. Very patient. You have yeah. the gift of patience. Um, so yeah. Of
0: course, you know, we talked about the matrix and we talked about popcorn a
1: little. Yeah. Bit, <laughs> well, is- again, you know, the reason why this episode is so long is because we obviously love the sovereignty of God. There's great comfort in knowing that what has happened to us as believers, not to get into our like full blown testimony or anything like that, but we were one way, which was a rebel against God. And it wasn't us. God saved us. God changed our heart. Like Absolutely. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says, he took our hearts of stone and made us into and gave us a heart of flesh. Right. You know, and, and, and I, I, the reason why I love the sovereignty of God so much, and maybe we'll do this in another episode, but it's the the assurance of salvation.
0: Yeah. I
1: struggled with the assurance of salvation for so long. Yeah. I just could not believe that I was saved. I had been baptized twice yeah. in my life, um, and I just could not believe that, that I, I felt like I had no assurance and no way of knowing. Um, and, uh, and and a lot of the things that I was experiencing as far as like loving God's word and just wanting to eat and drink and breathe the Bible, mm-hmm. like these were evidences of an act that God had done in me. And uh, and we could, go, we could go on there. and on and on about that topic. But my point is that the sovereignty of God is such a comforting thing, knowing mm-hmm. that, that as scripture says, he who began a good work in you, who began it? He, God. Yeah, God, He who began a good work in you will see it to completion mm. at the day of Jesus Christ. And again, Hebrews, God is the author and perfecter, or some versions say the author and the finisher yeah. of our faith. He started it. He sees us through to the end. He carries us through. He lifts us up when we're down. When we fall, he picks us back up. Though the righteous fall seven times, you know, uh, as the proverb says, like basically um, he gets back up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so the sovereignty of God is a precious, precious, precious yes. doctrine to Christians because it, it knows that God is in control. And And when he's in control, why do we have to worry? You know, Jesus says in the gospels, you know what is worrying going to do? It, it's not going to. It's gonna, not going to add, add day. one day to your life. Right. You know what I mean? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to, added yeah. to you. Um, man.
0: Well, God bless you guys for listening. Um, and and y'all probably know Ryan and I do not have advanced uh, theology degrees. We are just believers and lovers of Jesus Christ and followers of His Word. Um, yeah,
1: a lot of times when we read scriptures, <laughs> especially Isaiah, I'm not a smart man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Forrest, Forrest Gump. Yeah. Um, but we've kept you guys long enough. Thank you guys for listening. If you have ideas for topics that you just want to hear us talk about, um, send them our way. We would love input. Um, and we will give you the rest of your evening back. God bless you guys.